0: Chapter Sixty of Mr. Sponge's Sporting Tour by Robert Smith Surtees This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixty Facey Romford at Home We will now suppose our distinguished Sponge entering the village or what the natives call the town of Washingford towards the close of a short December day on his arrival from Mr. Joggs. "'What sort of stables are there?' asked he, reining up his hack, as he encountered the brandy-nosed Leather airing himself on the main street. "'Stables be good enough.' "'Forage, too,' replied the stud-groom. did you likes the cityvation.' "'Oh, the cityvation'll be good enough,' retorted Sponge, thinking that, groom-like, Leather was grumbling because he hadn't got the best stables. "'Well, sir, as you please,' replied the man. "'Why, where are they?' asked Sponge, seeing there was more in Leather's manner than met the eye. "'Rose and Crown,' replied Leather, with an emphasis. "'Rose and Crown?' exclaimed Sponge, starting in his saddle. "'Rose and Crown? Why, I'm going to stay with Mr. Romford.' "'So he said,' replied Leather. "'So he said. I met him as I cam in with the Ossies, and he said to me, he said he, "'You'll find capital quarters at the Crown.' "'The deuce!' exclaimed Mr. Sponge, dropping the reins on his hack's neck. "'The deuce!' repeated he, with a look of disgust. "'Why? Where does he live?' "'By the Saddler's Thonder,' replied Leather, nodding to a small bow-windowed white house, a little lower down, with the gilt-lettered words, "'Overend, Saddler, and Harness-Maker to the Queen,' above a very meagrely stocked shop. "'The devil!' replied mr sponge boiling up as he eyed the cottage-like dimensions of the place the dialogue was interrupted by a sledge-hammer like blow on sponge's back followed by such a proffered hand as could proceed from none but his host glad to see her! exclaimed Facy, swinging sponge's arm to and fro get off continued he half dragging him down and let's go in for it's beastly cold and dinner'll be ready in no time so saying, he led the captive sponge down the street like a prisoner by the arm, and, opening the thin house-door, pushed him up a very straight staircase into a little low cabin-like room, hung with boxing-gloves, foils, and pictures of fighters and ballet-girls. "'Glad to see you,' again said Facey, poking the diminutive fire. "'Axt nosy nickel and gutty weasel to meet you,' continued he, looking at the little dinner-for-two table. "'but knows he's gone wrong in a tooth, and got his away sweetheartin. "'However, we'll be very cosy and jolly together, "'and if you want to wash your hands or anything afore dinner, "'I'll show you your bedroom,' continued he, "'backing Sponge across the staircase landing, "'to where a couple of little black doors opened into rooms, "'formed by dividing what had been the duplicate of the sitting-room into two. "'There!' exclaimed Facey, pointing to Sponge's portmanteau and bag standing midway between the window and door there there are your traps yonder's the wash-hand stand you can put your shaving things on the chair below the looking-glass against the wall pointing to a fragment of glass nailed against the stenciled wall all of which sponge stood eyeing with a mingled air of resignation and contempt but when facey pointed to the chest contrived a double debt to pay a bed by night a chest of drawers by day and said that was where Sponge would have to curl himself up, our friend shook his head, and declared he could not. "'Oh, fiddle!' replied Facey. "'Jack Weatherly slept in it for months, and he's half a hand higher than you, sixteen hands if he's an inch.' And Sponge jerked his head and bit his lips, thinking he was done for once. "'Why, I thought you'd been a fox-hunter,' observed Facey, seeing his guest's disconcerted look. "'Well, but being a fox-hunter won't enable one to sleep in a band-box "'or to shut oneself up like a telescope,' retorted the indignant sponge. "'Ord oh, hang it, man. You're so nasty particular,' rejoined Facey. "'You're so nasty particular. You'll never do to go out duck-shooting E your shirt. Dash it, man. Uncle Gilroy would disinherit me "'if I was such a chap. However, look sharp,' continued he. "'If you were going to clean yourself—' for dinner'll be ready in no time. Indeed, I hear Mrs. End, dishing it up." So saying, Facey rolled out of the room, and Sponge presently heard him pulling off his clogs of shoes in the adjoining one. Dinner spoke for itself, for the house reeked with the smell of fried onions and roast pork. Now, Sponge didn't like pork, and there was nothing but pork, or pig, in one shape or another, spare ribs, liver and bacon sausages black puddings etc all very good in their way but which came with a bad grace after the comforts of jogs the elegance of buffingtons and the early splendour of jawleyford's our hero was a good deal put out and felt as if he was imposed upon what business had a man like this to ask him to stay with him a man who dined by daylight and ladled his meat with a great two-pronged fork facey though he saw mr sponge wasn't pleased praised and pressed everything in succession down to a very strong cheese and as the slip girl whisked away crumbs and all in the coarse table-cloth he exclaimed in a most open-hearted air well now what shall we have to drink adding you smoke of course shall it be gin rum or hollands hollands rum or gin sponge was half inclined to propose wine but recollecting what slow-juice sort of stuff it was sure to be, and that Facey, in all probability, would make him finish it, he just replied, Oh, I don't care. Suppose we say gin. Gin be it, said Facey, rising from his seat, and making for a little closet in the wall, he produced a bottle labelled Fine London Spirit and, hallooing to the girl to get a few captains out of the box under his bed, he scattered a lot of glasses about the table, and placed a green dessert-dish for the biscuits against they came. Night had now closed in—a keen boisterous wintry night, making the pocket full of coals that ornamented the grate peculiarly acceptable. "'By Jove, what a night!' exclaimed Facey as a blash of sleet dashed across the window as if someone had thrown a handful of pebbles against it. "'By Jove, what a night!' repeated he, rising and closing the shutters, and letting down the little scanty red curtain. "'Let us draw in and have a hot brew,' continued he, stirring the fire under the kettle, and handing a lot of cigars out of the table drawer. They then sat smoking and sipping and smoking and sipping, each making a mental estimate of the other shall we have a game at cards or what shall we do to pass the evening at length asked our host better have a game at cards perhaps continued he oh, thank'ee no thank'ee no i've a book in my pocket replied sponge diving into his jacket pocket adding as he fished up his mog always carry a book of light reading about with me what you're a literary cove are you asked facey in a tone of surprise not exactly that, replied Sponge, but I like to improve my mind. He then opened the valuable work, taking a dip into the omnibus guide. Brentford, Seven, from Hyde Park Corner, European Coffee House, near the bank, Daily. And so worked his way on through the Brighton Railway Station, Brixton, Bromley, both in Kent and Middlesex, Bushy Heath, Camberwell, Camden Town, and Carsholton, right into Cheam, when facey who had been eyeing him intently not at all relishing his style of proceeding and wishing to be doing suddenly exclaimed as he darted up by jove you not heard me play the flute no more you have dash it how remiss continued he making for the little bookshelf on which it lay adding as he blew into it and sucked the joints you're musical of course oh i can stand music muttered sponge with a jerk of his head as if a tune was neither here nor there with him. "'By Jingo, you should see me Uncle Gilroy when I'm playing. The old man actually sheds tears of delight. He's so pleased.' "'Indeed,' replied Sponge, now passing on into Mogg's cab-fares. Aldersgate Street, Hare Court, to or from Bagnick Wells, and so on, when faces struck up the most squeaking, discordant, broken-winded Jump Jim Crow, that ever was heard, making the sensitive Sponge shudder, and setting all his teeth on edge. "'Hang me, but that flute of yours wants nitre, or a dose of physic, or something most dreadful!' at length exclaimed he, squeezing up his face, as if in the greatest agony, as the laboured jump-about and wheel-about completely threw Sponge over in his calculation, as to what he could ride from Aldgate-Pump to the Pied Bull at Islington for. "'Oh, no!' replied Facey, with an air of indifference, as he took off the end and jerked out the steam. "'Oh, no! Only once work! Only once work!' added he, putting it together again, exclaiming, as he looked at the now sulky sponge, "'Well, what shall it be?' "'Whatever you please,' replied our friend, dipping frantically into his mog. "'Well, then, I'll play you my uncle's favourite tune—the merry Swiss boy.' whereupon Facy set to most vigorously with that once most popular air it however came off as rustily as jim crow for whose feats Facy evidently had a partiality for no sooner did he get squeaked through me uncle's tune than he returned to the nigger melody with redoubled zeal and puffed and blew Sponge's calculations as to what he could ride from Mother Redcaps at Camden Town, down Lickerpond Street, up Snow Hill, and so on, to the Angel in Ratcliffe Highway, for, clean out of his head. Nor did they seem any prospect of relief, for no sooner did Facey get through one tune than he at the other again. "'Rot it!' at length exclaimed Sponge, throwing his mug from him in despair. "'You'll deafen me with that abominable noise!' "'Bless my heart!' exclaimed Facey, in well-feigned surprise. "'Bless my heart! Why, I thought you liked music, my dear fellow,' adding, "'I was plain to please you.' "'The deuce you were!' snapped Mr. Sponge. "'I wish I'd known sooner I'd have saved you a deal of wind.' "'Why, my dear fellow,' replied Facey, "'I wish to entertain you to the best of my power. One must do something, you know.' "'I'd rather do anything than undergo that horrid noise,' replied Sponge, wringing his left ear with his forefinger. "'Let's have a game at cards, then,' rejoined Facey soothingly, seeing he had sufficiently agonised Sponge. "'Cards,' replied Mr. Sponge. "'Cards,' repeated he thoughtfully, stroking his hairy chin. "'Cards,' added he for the third time, as he conned Facey's rotund visage, and wondered if he was a sharper... If the cards were fair, Sponge didn't care trying his luck. It all depended upon that. "'Well,' said he, in a tone of indifference, as he picked up his mog, thinking he wouldn't pay if he lost, "'I'll give your turn. What shall it be?' "'Oh, why, uh, suppose we say Ecarte, replied Facey, in an off-hand sort of way. "'Well,' drawled Sponge, pocketing his mog, preparatory to action, "'You haven't a clean pack, have you?' asked Sponge as Facey, diving into a drawer, "'produced a very dirty thumb-marked set. "Oh no, I haven't,' replied Facey. "'Why, oh, no, I haven't, but, on a bright, "'these are all right and fair. "'Wouldn't cheat a man if it was ever so?' "'Sure you wouldn't,' replied Sponge, "'nothing comforted by the assertion.' "'They then resumed their seats opposite each other "'at the little table,' with the hot water and sugar, and fine London spirit-bottle equitably placed between them. At first Mr. Sponge was the victor, and by nine o'clock had scored eight and twenty shillings against his host, when he was inclined to leave off, alleging that he was an early man and would go to bed, an arrangement that Facy seemed to come into, only pressing Sponge to accompany the gin he was now helping himself to with another cigar. This seemed all fair and reasonable, and as Sponge conned matters over, through the benign influence of the baccy, he really thought Facey mightn't be such a bad beggar after all. "'Well, then,' said he as he finished cigar and glass together, "'if you'll give me eight-and-twenty, Bob, I'll be off to Bedfordshire.' "'You'll give me my revenge, surely?' exclaimed Facey, in pretend astonishment. "'Tomorrow night,' replied Sponge firmly, thinking it would have to go hard with him if he remained there to give it. "'Nay, no," rejoined Facey, adding, "'It's quite early. Me Uncle Gilroy and I always play much later at Queer Cove Hill.'" Sponge hesitated. If he had got the money, he would have refused point-blank as it was, he thought, perhaps the only chance of getting it was to go on. With no small reluctance and misgivings he mixed himself another tumbler of gin-and-water, and changing seats resumed the game. Nor was our discreet friend far wrong in his calculations, for luck now changed, and Facey seemed to have the King quite at command. In less than an hour he had not only wiped off the eight-and-twenty shillings, but had scored three pounds fifteen against his guest. Facey would now leave off. Sponge, on the other hand, wanted to go on. Facey, however, was firm. "'I'll cut you. Double or quits, then!' cried Sponge, in rash despair. Facey accommodated him, and doubled the debt." again exclaimed sponge with desperate energy no no more thank ye," replied facey coolly fair play's a jewel so it is assented mr sponge thinking he hadn't had it now continued facey poking into the table drawer and producing a dirty scrap of paper with a little pocket-ink case if you'll give me an i o u we'll shut up shop an i o u retorted sponge looking virtuously indignant an i o u i'll give you your money in the morning i know you will replied facey coolly putting himself in boxing attitude exclaiming as he measured out a distance just feel the biceps muscle of my arm do believe i could fell an ox however never mind continued he seeing sponge declined the feel life's uncertain so you give me an i o u "'and we'll be all right and square. "'Short reckonings make long friends, you know,' "'added he, pointing peremptorily to the paper. "'I'd better give you a cheque at once,' "'retorted Sponge, looking the very essence of chivalry. "'Money, if you please,' replied Facey, "'muttering with a jerk of his head. "'Don't like paper.' "'The renowned Sponge for once was posed. "'He had the money, but he didn't like to part with it, so he gave the I.O.U., and, lighting a twelve to the pound candle, sulked off to undress and crawl into the little impossibility of a bed. Night, however, brought no relief to our distinguished friend, for, little though the bed was, it was large enough to admit lodgers, and poor Sponge was nearly worried by the half-famished vermin, who seemed bent on making up for the long fast they had endured since the sixteen-hands man left worst of all as day dawned the eternal jim crow recommenced his saltations varied only with the come arouse ye ye my merry swiss boy of me uncle Gilroy. well dash my buttons groaned sponge as the discordant noise shot through his aching head but this is the worst speck i ever made in my life fed on pork fluted deaf bit with bugs and robbed at cards "'Fairly, downrightly, robbed. "'Never was more regular a plant put on a man. "'Thank goodness, however, I haven't paid him. "'Never will, either. "'Such a confounded, disreputable scoundrel deserves to be punished. "'Big, bad, blackguard-looking feller. "'How the deuce could I ever be taken in by such a fellow? "'Believe he's nothing but a great poaching blackleg. "'Hasn't the faintest outlines of a gentleman about him. "'Not the slightest particle. "'Not the remotest glimmering.' these and similar reflections were interrupted by a great thump against the thin lath and plaster wall that separated their rooms or other closets accompanied by an exclamation of hello boy how goes it an inquiry to which our friend deigned no answer or drachy you're awake muttered facey to himself well knowing that no one could sleep after such a jim crowing and swiss buoying. As he had given him, he therefore resumed his battery, thumping as though he would knock the partition in. "Hello!" at last exclaimed Mr. Sponge. "Who's there?" "Well, old seven pound ten. How goes it?" asked Facey in a tone of the keenest irony. "You be," growled Mr. Sponge in disgust. "Breakfast in half an hour," resumed Facey. "Pigs, pudding, and sausages, all hot, piping hot." continued our host. "'Wish you a piping hot!' growled Mr. Sponge, as he jerked himself out of his little berth. Though Facey pumped him pretty hard during his second pig repast, he could make nothing out of Sponge with regard to his movements, our friend parrying all his inquiries with his mog, and assurances that he could amuse himself. In vain Facey represented that his uncle Gilroy would be expecting them, that Mr. Hobbler was ready for him to ride over on sponge wasn't inclined to shoot but begged facey wouldn't stay at home on his account the fact was sponge meditated a bolt and was in close confab with leather in the rose-and-crown stables arranging matters when the sound of his name in the yard caused him to look out when oh welcome sight a pudding bower messenger put sir harry's note in his hand which had at length arrived at jogs through their very miscellaneous transit called a post Sponge, in the joy of his heart, actually gave the lad a shilling. He now felt like a new man. He didn't care a rap for Facey, and ordering Leather to give him the hack and follow with the hunters, he presently cantered out of town as sprucely as if all was on the square. When, however, Facey found how matters stood, he determined to stop Sponge's things, which Leather resisted, and, Facey showing fight, Leather butted him with his head, sending him backwards downstairs, and putting his shoulder out. Leather then marched off with the kit amidst the honours of war. End of chapter sixty